Hello and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. Portfolio Manager Aisha Akbar joins us on the program today as she shares her insights on how to navigate the global markets safely and what geopolitical scenarios investors should watch out for in 2023. For Canadian investors, Aisha manages Fidelity Global Asset Allocation Fund. Aisha says she remains positive on emerging markets and sees more opportunities in fixed income and bonds than equity markets. Aisha further explains that if inflation starts to come down, that could mean a slowdown in economic growth. This type of scenario is good for bonds. So for the first half of the year, this is how she's positioning her portfolio. In terms of a potential recession, Aisha says we need to keep a close eye on the labor market, especially in the U.S. Upcoming jobs and employment data will be a good indication of which way things might go. Today's podcast was recorded on January 5th, 2023. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada, ULC, or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy or endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. I'm curious a little bit about what you made of the communications, essentially. The monetary policy obviously has to work its way through financial markets. And so there's this risk the Fed is grappling with and was pointing to um, yesterday that, you know, misinterpretation of Jay Powell's words, the press conferences, the statement itself is, is its own risk in every single minutes and also the meetings. Absolutely. I mean, I think it was, you know, you raised a really, really interesting point because what we're having to deal with in, in, in markets and you know, a lot of investors haven't been in this position before is really trying to deal with a Fed that isn't providing a push anymore and is absolutely determined. And I think the minutes really indicated that, that they're going to get, get ahead of the inflation uh, issue as, as, as they see it. Um, and that means uh, rates are going to rise for a little bit longer in, in, in the States. Um, and that's a, that's a difficult situation when you've been used to sort of you know very very low rates, markets just continuing up, and it's part of the reason we've seen so much volatility in in in, in markets. But I think you know my my key takeaway from uh, you know um, all, all the stuff that we've seen so far is that rates are going to continue to rise. I think we should expect that. Um, but really, I mean, whenever the Fed have, has an issue, they do want to get ahead of the inflation issue. Um, but they also have to make sure that financial conditions work in their favor as well. So there is a risk that if things, um, you, know, you know, financial conditions sort of, um, you know, loosen a little bit, then they're going to have to do more than, um, you know, they, they currently expect. And that has big implications for, um, you know, whether we have a slowdown or a recession where people actually start losing their jobs, because um, I think that is a pretty key indicator to, to watch uh, you know, what happens in the labor market is going to be very, very important this year, um, especially in the US. And as you say, uh, you know, let's see what, what the data comes out with uh, uh, tomorrow, because I think that is going to give us a pretty good indication of which way things are going to go. 
So what is the difference then? You said, especially in the U.S., the, the labor market is, is the big story. What about elsewhere? Yeah, so I mean, I think it comes back to, you know, what, what is the big thing that we're worried about uh, this year? I think most market, market participants are, it's really inflation. Um, you know, that was a thing that uh, you know, has come back with an absolute sort of you know, vengeance um, in the last year. Now, clearly, there was a lot of reasons for that last year. Um, you know, we had a pretty big surge in energy and food prices, not least because we had, uh, you know, the pretty awful invasion of, of Ukraine last year, which had pretty big implications for many parts of the world, but probably impacted uh, you know, emerging markets the most as they have, tend to have a pretty big uh, sort of component of their inflation basket in, in food and, and, and energy. Um, in, in other parts of the world, it was a little bit different. So again, in the US, I mean, we certainly had a lot of good inflation um, before. Um, that has now morphed into services inflation as we're all going out and about and, and doing things again. And what that, you know, in the U.S., the problem really is to do with wages. Uh, you know, I think that is going to be the, the thing that matters the, 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 the most. So if, um, you know, and that is the reason why the labor market matters so, so much in, in, in the U.S., that, you know, how do you actually get rid of those expectations, make sure that service inflation that we're seeing starts to come down probably has to do with uh, what happens to, to jobs and employment. Right. Okay. So, so speaking to allocation, we'll maybe go across sort of asset classes and then and then also get more of your thoughts on the on the regional story. But um, I mean, everyone's been hearing that perhaps leaning into bonds is a better idea. Um, take that further for us. How do you look at that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think um, you know. And again, this is slightly unusual, right? Because bonds. Are- been okay. It's not been too bad a place to be, but um, you know, when, when you've had sort of markets in one way, it, you know, equities have been much more attractive. But I think given what happened last year, especially when we had sort of yields rise so uh, massively and sort of you know bonds not doing so well, you know, pretty pretty uh, you know unusual set of circumstances when you have equities and bonds both behaving in, in, in that way. Um, I think we've got an opportunity now because, um, you know, we've seen yields rise quite a lot. If we're correct in, in, in our sort of view of how the world is going to play out, um, that should mean inflation starts to come down. Um, and it could also mean that you have a slowdown in economic growth. Now, both sets of scenarios are pretty good for, 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 for bonds. Um, so we do think there is an opportunity to, to get back into, into, into bonds, um, at least in the, in the first half of the year. And certainly that's been the way that sort of I've been positioning, um, my portfolio, sort of moving away from my cautious stance, uh, which, you know, um, which I'd had for most of last year, taking some money out of cash and putting it into bonds. Not quite ready to put it into risk assets and equities just yet. We think there's a little bit more pain to come in, in equity markets, which is, again, you know, a big statement to make given how awful last year was, uh, but still a little bit more to do. And I, a lot of that has to do with what, what the Fed is doing. And you know, certainly for, for the U.S. markets, we're a little bit nervous for now. Do you see the bigger risk to, to equity market? I mean, I know they're tied in a way, but the bigger risk is is sort of the earnings story that still needs to to perhaps materialize or where that's going directionally, or actually the fact that the Fed is is making the cost of capital so much higher. I mean, what what sort of hits? Uh, 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 a little bit of both. So yes, earnings have been uh, you know probably a little bit more robust than we would have anticipated. Um, that's probably going to start to come down. But one of the reasons they have been a bit more robust, really. Um, has been that people are spending, um, you know, and, um, you know, especially in, in the U.S., if, if that continues and earnings potentially could do 
um, a little bit better. But you know, I think a lot of it has to do with, with the Fed tightening that still has to come. And, and clearly that will impact different parts of the market in, in very different ways. Uh, I know we've spoken about this for a time uh, now, but you know, still a little bit more pain to come out on, on the tech sector. You know, the, these are um, areas of market that have done very well when yields were very low, um, and they are behaving as you would expect as yields uh, right. start to climb and things get, uh, you know, future earnings start to get discounted a bit more. There's been quite a lot of discussion, Aisha, of um, of the dollar perhaps having peaked. Uh, we know that currencies was just a massive part of last year's story. Um, how do you see that? And then perhaps we'll get into the discussion of, of emerging markets. Is, is the dollar perhaps peaked? Oh, that, that is a million dollar question, isn't it? Um, we, we think it's certainly closer to a peak than it has been for, 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 for quite a while. Um, I think there's two elements to it. One is the Fed is probably going to be the, the last uh, central bank standing when it comes to raising rates. Uh, we, we don't really think there's going to be any cuts happening anytime this year. Uh, you know, that's probably a 2024 story. Um, you know, other other central banks are probably going to have to capitulate a little bit earlier, uh, especially um, you know, here in here in, in the UK and and uh, in, in Europe in, in, in particular. Um, you know, so that could provide a little bit of support for for uh, for uh, you know for, for the dollar. But you know, given that you are going to probably have a pretty big slowdown, um, maybe a recession as well in the US. Um, you know, then that should um, make sort of money flow to, to other parts of the world. And if that is the case, as long as the U.S. dollar doesn't appreciate certainly to the extent that we saw last year, that isn't a pretty, you know, that's a pretty good scenario usually for, for emerging markets. Hmm. That's that's really interesting. Tell us, tell us a bit more about that. I mean, certainly the story of China fits into this. Um, there, short term, I don't know, medium term, I mean, I, it's nobody really knows how, COVID is, is really going to affect, I mean, the health of just a billion people, but also the economy. Um, where do you put that in terms of allocating around into it? Do you, do you wait on that front? What, what do you do? So, so we're, we're um, pretty positive on emerging markets on a, on a practical basis. And a lot of that, as you say, has to do with China and its reopening. Um, now, I think it's probably fair to say that uh, the reopening has been a little bit more um, uh, chaotic than perhaps it could have been. And it certainly has, has health implications. Uh, and let's hope that, uh, you, know, um, uh, you know, things don't get, get, get too out of hand and people recover pretty quickly. But from a market's perspective, we've, we've, we've seen this before in, in other parts of the world. So, you know, uh, whether it's going to be something like we saw here in the West, where you know you reopened, um, there were still quite a lot of COVID cases. People still got ill, but you know uh, things started to recover. Um, you know that that's a pretty good scenario, um, and it's potentially something that could play out because you know, China does have some vaccine protection. Omicron is certainly uh, a lot milder than we've seen. Um, and, you know, the analog that we have from other emerging markets that perhaps didn't have as much protection is, again, that, you know, things could get pretty bad on the health front. But from an economic perspective, you know, three, four months down the line, things could start to normalize pretty quickly in, in China, which is, which is going to be good news for a lot of other emerging markets. Right, right. Okay. What, what about other parts of, actually, LATAM did did quite well last year. I mean, I'm sort of curious how you see how the performance of certain areas around the world was last year and therefore what it means for the year ahead. Um, give us a, perhaps a little bit of a tour around the world. 
Yeah, it was it was really interesting, and I think you know you're absolutely right. Latin and Brazil did very very well last year, and it's not what you would have expected. And one of the reasons I think they did very well is that ironically, in emerging markets, uh, you know, policy, central bank policy, you know, dealing with inflation, uh, it was a lot more orthodox than you've seen uh, from, mm. from a lot of uh, you know and, uh, sort of developed economies, if you like. So you know, these countries were ahead of the curve in trying to tackle inflation. They obviously didn't have as much. Um, uh, COVID income supplement, uh, you know, as, as, as we did over here. So didn't have that sort of big surge that was, uh, that was coming through. Um, I don't think it's, a, it's too much of a surprise that, uh, they did pretty well. Now, clearly, obviously, some countries in the emerging market country like, also benefited from, um, you know, energy prices going up, commodity prices going up because they, they tend to be exporters and that's also helped, uh, uh, as well. So yes, I mean, you know, certainly, um, you know, Latam was was one of the one of the bright spots, and actually one of the few places you could have actually made money um, last year in, in in markets, you know, along with with probably the the dollar and uh, if you were sort of correctly positioned in, in commodities uh, at the start of the year. Um, yeah, let's talk about commodities and the energy story. We've we've seen we've seen oil play out in um in an interesting way over the last couple of days, and we know it rocketed sky high. Uh, in the earlier part of last year, where where do you think it goes? The war is ongoing between Russia and Ukraine, um, but the world has has found a way to sort of pivot around that to an extent. What does that mean for the price of oil? I'm also looking at nat gas for this year. Yeah, so let, let's start off with natural gas, and clearly that is a very very big concern for Europe in particular, um, and. I have to admit, one of the things that I, I've been really surprised about is how quickly uh, Europe has pivoted away from its dependency on, on Russian gas. Um, now, you know, clearly that has been done by some volatility reductions, but also helped by milder weather. So, you know, the storage is is, is pretty high. Um, and, you know, we've been having incredibly mild weather here in Europe this year. I mean, you know, anecdotally, people's uh, skiing holidays have been sort of uh, disrupted because there's not enough snow. Um, you know, so that's not great for uh, rest and recreation, but it's actually pretty good news from an energy dependency perspective. Um, and you know, if if that continues, uh, you know, the situation for Europe could look pretty, uh, you know, a lot better than it has done. Uh, for, for for quite a while. And you know, if you remember that, uh, you know, Europe is a, it tends to be a cyclical region. Um, so any you know upswing in, in China, um, you know, tends to benefit uh, Europe as well. So, uh, you know, probably time to start thinking about sort of reducing underweights in, in, in Europe. So, um, you know, of course, uh, what happens in Russia, Ukraine, and let's let's really hope that there is no escalation in, in things over there. Um, you know, because that could turn things around quite a lot. So, you know, not not a clear picture yet, but certainly if things remain as they are. Uh, you know, the situation is looking a lot better for, for, for Europe. Uh, and maybe that is the surprise story for, for, for this year, that Europe does a lot better than we anticipate. I mean, tell us about the valuation story there. I mean, we've certainly seen, um, the, it looks like there's some green shoots on the, on the valuation front. How, how do you look at that? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, from a value perspective, certainly uh, you know, the, these parts of the world are, are looking a lot better than they have done in a while. Um, you know, I, I tend not to focus too much on, on, on valuation. Unfortunately, things can remain cheap for a lot longer than, um, uh, you know, than, than you anticipate. But clearly, it is it is a factor. You know, are we at sort of absolute bargain basement levels? Probably not yet. There are still you know, quite a lot of risks inherent. 
um, in that, you know, we, we, we need to see the ECB start to start to pivot as well. Now, purity inflation is starting to come down, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more to go. But again, if things go in the right direction, uh, then certainly that might could be a, uh, a good reason to, to get back in. So, yes, it's, it's there, not absolutely compelling valuations, uh, but, but certainly the, you know, the, um, the managers that, that we talk to are all starting to buy back into, into Europe because they're, they're starting to see the opportunities uh, emerge over there. And is that, is that, I mean, Europe, as you say, is sort of a, can be viewed as a, as a cyclical story, but it, is there something particularly cyclical that's of interest at this point in Europe? Um, I, I think it is, you know, it really does depend on which countries uh, you, you, you look at. I mean, I, I wouldn't be sort of specifically putting my money into, say, the, the Swiss market, uh, you know, at the moment. It would probably be sort of, um, you know, places like Germany that potentially could benefit from a, from an upswing. So even there, I think being selective is probably the, 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 the right way to go. I mean, uh, you know, another country that benefited quite a bit, um, obviously, is, is sort of, my, you know, where I'm based in the UK, you know, it had a pretty, pretty good year. And that was a lot to do with the composition of the market. Um, you know, when you have uh, a lot of sort of banks and a lot of um, energy stocks dominating you know, the FTSE 100, not surprising uh, that it that it's done so well. And obviously, um, you know, the, the sterling has been pretty pretty good. So, you know, if anyone wants to come and visit, this is a good time to come and visit the UK. Um, you know, and, and that's sort of when you have a lot of your earnings coming from overseas, that's meant uh, that, uh, you know, earnings uh, for, for a lot of, uh, you know, large cap FTSE 100 companies have been, have been uh, fairly, fairly robust as well. Mm-hmm. When you take a look um, at the consumer, again, perhaps uh, comparing around the world, uh, lots of discussion that that perhaps the North American consumer is in better shape walking into this. Um, some will say that might make the recession sort of take longer to take hold. I don't I don't know how you see that. Do you, do you find that battening down the hatches from the sort of consumer consumption side of stories in Europe and other parts is is happening now already? Yeah, I mean it, it is to 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 some extent because I mean the the issue we've had here really is the surge in energy bills um, that we've uh, we, we've had, and that is going to really start to bite. And that is still you know a little bit more pain to come. Um, you know, at least until the the, the first half of, of of this year. Hopefully, after that, things start to get better. And when you combine that with sort of rates going up and people's mortgages, uh, you know, being affected as well, it's not a very pretty picture for uh, you know for, for consumption oriented stocks or retail oriented stocks. So a little bit more pain to come. Um, I think you know uh, how much of that has been scanted is, is going to be interesting. Uh, but we're not, you know, I'm not in the camp that this is going to be a very harsh recession. I think, uh, you know, if, if again, inflation starts to come down, if energy prices start to come down, uh, you know, uh, wage inflation hasn't been a massive issue here yet. I mean, uh, no, we're, we're trying our best, but it's not really, um, you know, uh, embedded itself in expectations yet. So, you know, things things do have the potential to, to turn around. Okay. A couple of questions rolling in here for you, Aisha. I'll put, I'll put them to you. So one, uh, expanding on the commodity discussion, is there a concern that oil and gas prices could be further disrupted through 2023 from sort of a geopolitical events risk perspective? Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's always the, the, the worry, right? So, I mean, I think from a geopolitical point of view, you know, especially when it comes to commodities, two, two main areas of the world that you need to worry about. Um, obviously, top of mind is Russian and Ukraine. So clearly, that is something to 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 watch. 
you know, best guess scenario, unfortunately, we have a bit of a stalemate situation. Things things don't really go to go to um, go to plan. And of course, it isn't um, you know to, to to use that quote. It isn't an unknown unknown anymore. This is something that you know everyone's kind of uh, uh, sort of appreciated and embedded in their in their risk premium. Um, the other area of the world, of course, is the Middle East, um, where actually things are looking pretty good. I mean, you know, that was again uh, going back to last year. You know, they, they had a pretty good time of it last year. Um, you know, very little inflation, lots of income, uh, from, from energy prices being being pretty high. Um, so not not too much of a of a risk there as well. So um, I, I think you know, obviously, what what could drive um, prices higher is if uh, if the China sort of recovery uh, roaring back in uh, is a little bit more than we anticipate. But that's not something that's our sort of base case scenario. So uh, you know, we don't think, um, and in fact, actually, we think it could potentially go the other way if, if the U.S. does slow down. Uh, you know, from 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 where we are right now. So you know, not expecting. Uh, commodity prices to, to surge uh, unless we have something that uh, you know let's hope it doesn't happen and sort of massive unexpected geopolitical uh, event happen how, how do opportunities in india look to you at this point yeah again um you know um india one of the big beneficiaries last year they they had a pretty pretty good time of it um again you know why was that uh you know pretty big uh, domestic um uh, you know economy um, you know, COVID not an issue anymore, and a big beneficiary of people trying to switch away from uh, from, from China. Uh, you know, that is probably going to continue. Uh, you know, is it going to be as good as last year? Unlikely, uh, but I think that structural story that you have for India potentially could could continue. You know, they've got a uh, you know a relatively young population. Uh, they have a big population. I think is it this year or next year that they're going to have a bigger population than um, than, than China. Um, you know, um, you know, clearly uh, a lot going for it. So, you know, potentially more, more to come. But, you know, valuations, you know, again, not, not a huge thing, but they're, they're pretty expensive now and they have got stretched. So, you know, whether Indian stocks could be due a breather, potentially, um, but certainly from a structural point of view, I think uh, having a, a, a you know, within an emerging market, uh, emerging market com, uh, you know, context, uh, having an allocation to India is probably a, a pretty good idea. So, just going back to sort of the the asset side of things, um, asset classes, the one of the huge stark differences, of course, between what emerging markets have gone through and and what more developed markets have gone through is developed markets have have had these negative yielding debt. Years and years and years of it. Um, it appears that's gone. Um, you'll tell us whether that's forever or not. I, I don't know. But is that just sort of something we say, wow, that happened, it's over? Or, or is there actually anything else there that we need to sort of keep an eye on, basically? Yeah, a great, great question, panel, and I think it is pretty important because this is one of my sort of slight concerns for uh, for, for for this year, and that could make, you know. Although I'm cautious, could could make things a little bit more um, interesting this year is really that negative deal thing. And I think you know the interesting thing there is that a lot of that has gone. And the very last thing that happened, um, you know, late last year was the Bank of Japan starting to change its stance. So this is this is a, you know, this is a country that's been battling deflation for an awfully long time. They've done everything they can to keep yields as, as low as possible. And certainly, the indication seems to be that they are they are giving up on that as well, and they're happy to let yields rise. Um, 
you know, uh, to be honest, the, the reaction at the end of last year was a bit muted, more muted than I thought it was going to be because, um, you know, a lot of things depend on what the, uh, you know, the, the Bank of Japan uh, does with its, with its yield curve. That has implications for what happens in, in, in a lot of other interest rates across the world. So, you know, any changes there, any real sign that they're, you know, worried about inflation and that yields are going to rise. Uh, you know, we've already seen that a little bit in, in, in what happened with the yen. Uh, you know, you had a big appreciation there. If, if that continues, you know, that, that's not a scenario that um, most people in markets have ever had to have to really grapple with. So, you know, potentially a lot of uh, implications for different asset classes, money coming back to the US, uh, to, to, to Japan. Uh, you know, because you'll be able to get a bit more yield uh, from, from that part of the world as well. So, yeah, let, let, let's keep an eye on that. I think that that is something that we probably uh, have to revisit and, and, and see. So any changes there? Um, yeah, I think potentially, uh, you know, could, 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 could result in some interesting market reactions. We'll see. I think you said um, earlier on that you that you don't really see um sort of the wage, the U.S. jobs, labor market, the wage story, something to watch carefully. And that's, we know that, that number's coming out tomorrow. Um, but there's been a great discussion about not being able to, to find employees. I mean, does that, how, how do you, how do you grapple with that? Because it, it does seem like perhaps companies want to hold on to, to those that they've, they've hired, maybe keep the wages that are there. I, I'm just curious what sort of battle you think that is from the Fed's perspective. Yeah, so I, I'm a little bit more sanguine about that because I think, um, you know, and that's been the difference that you've had this year that, you know, what, what you have uh, is not really an excess of labor uh, or people hiring too many people. What you've had is a lot of job openings uh, in, in the U.S. and those have remained pretty high and pretty robust. So, you know, if, if, if you have a downturn scenario, basically what you know potentially could happen is that, that those job openings, dis- uh, openings disappear. Which is which is great, you know. So nobody's actually losing their job. Uh, you know, it's just things aren't going to move as much as possible. Which is why I'm, uh, you know, a, a little, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit more ambivalent about whether we can have a recession or just a slowdown in, in the U.S. So, right. you know, if people keep, still keep their jobs, um, you know, clearly they can they can still afford to to spend not as much as they could because. You know, we've seen what's happened in, in housing markets and we've seen what's happened with, uh, with yields and, and, and mortgages. But, you know, keeping your job is a pretty big component of uh, being able to able to spend. So, you know, it, it, maybe that is the, you know, the, the gentle way for the Fed to achieve its, its, uh, its results that, um, you know, the, the job openings disappear. Yes, there will be a little bit of pain. Um, so far, we've seen that. Uh, quite a bit in the tech sector, um, you know, but uh, not really uh, spreading out to too many other uh, other uh, sectors so far. Okay, uh, quick question coming in that I just want to wrap up with you. But your your thoughts on the technology sector? Well, I mean, there are lots of headlines in the technology sector right now. What 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 do you think there? Yeah, so I think you know again, um, tech. I'm um, still a bit nervous about that, um, you know, and I think you know when when we were talking about sort of. Uh, jobs and hiring. I think a lot of companies overhired, um, you know, during the COVID era when uh, everything was going to go online and they've kind of over anticipated that, that demand. And I think that's kind of encapsulated by Amazon, um, you know, basically saying that they're going to have to lay off quite a lot of people because they, they hired uh, too, too, too many. 
Um, so, you know, I think, you know, there is a little bit more pain to come uh, in the tech sector. Uh, you know, a lot of that will also be driven. And I think Elon uh, Musk explained this pretty well that, you know, when, when rates go up, then valuations come down. So, uh, you know, you're still going to see a little bit of that uh, continue to happen in, in, in the tech sector. And, and, you know, I think, you know, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, Pamela. You know, these these things are, you know, it's all very well thinking there's growth companies. These are companies that we need their utilities, their things yeah. that you know we we need. Do they necessarily justify the huge valuations that they were at? Um, yes, certainly when yields are low, you can do that. Uh, but when yields are a bit higher, and then you have a bit more choice in terms of where you put your money, you know, not necessarily. Um, I think a good value yet. So so I'm. I'm Trying to steer clear of, of tech uh, for, for, for the time being. When uh, I think I think we spoke pretty close to this day last year, uh, certainly the first week anyway. And I, I remember you were cautious because you said all oh, this tightening is about to happen and needs to happen, and that's exactly what last year was, of course, about. Um, how do you feel standing at the beginning of this year? We've, we've done a lot of that. I mean, not all of it, but a lot is done. What do you think? How different is it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, from the perspective of last year, I'm a little bit more optimistic uh, on, on markets this year. Now, that is not to say that I don't think there it'll still be a little bit more pain to come, uh, certainly in the first half of, of, of the year. But, you know, therein lies the opportunity. I think we, we could have potentially some really good entry points to get back into equities, get back into risk assets. I think you'll probably have to wait a while, um, so I wouldn't be rushing to, 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 to put money into there. You know, uh, as we said, sort of, you know, bonds, I think, represent, uh, you know, much more attractive uh, opportunities for, for, for me right now, so I'm sort of tiptoeing back into that. Um, but, you know, keeping keeping my eyes open, uh, you know, equities potentially could be a really good opportunity, but I think we'll have to wait a little bit longer uh, before uh, you see me going back in um, and becoming properly optimistic. Aisha Akbar, thank you for sharing your thoughts. The beginning of the year, it's great to catch up with you. Look forward to doing it again. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. Fidelity mutual funds and ETFs are available by working with a financial advisor or through an online brokerage account. Visit fidelity.ca slash how to buy for more information. While visiting fidelity.ca, you can also find information on future live webcasts. And don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again. See you next time.